Okay, <clears throat> welcome everyone. Parshas Vayishlach. Thank you everyone for joining us this evening. The Shurim on Sefer Bereshis are sponsored by our dear friends, the Zakheim Mishpacha, by Dr. Zakheim, Le'iloi Nishmas, Rav Shleima Eliezer ben Harav Yaakov Zakheim, and Le'iloi Nishmas, her mother, Rivka Bas Tuvia, ben Hashem Hashem and Aliyah. They should be Melitza Yisharim for their whole family, Abi Askal Tzedek. They should have a great Aliyah, Began Eden Tehimenu Chasam. Tonight's year is sponsored by David and Jake Mala in honor of Ellie Mayer's birthday. We wish that on this occasion they should go up Mala Mala. Okay, welcome everybody. Also, very important announcement as Hanukkah is approaching. Hopefully you all have your copy of The Light and the Splendor on Hanukkah. It's now available from our scroll, 20% off. For, it's available right here. Um, as well, all the Svarim are available on our site now before Hanukkah. Um, they're discounted, so check it out, rabbidg.com. Parshas Vayishlach. So a very uh, interesting observation, interesting and important observation regarding Yaakov Avinu's reaction to his encounter with Esav HaRasha. Yaakov Avinu prepared many different avenues to be able to counteract Esav. The Pasuk says, Yaakov Avinu was mispalel. And of course, like good Jew, he prepared some uh, appropriate shoychad to uh, bribe Esav. And he also prepared to fight with Esav. Says Rashi, what does that mean that the second camp would run away? Because Al Karchai, against his will, Ki Elochimima, I'll fight with him. Says Rashi, Hiskinat Yaakov Avinu prepared himself for three things Ladoron, for a gift, Latfila, for prayer, Ulamachama, and for war. A gift, as we know, the Pasuk enumerates the great gift that Yaakov Avinu sent to Esav. Prayer, Eloikea Avi Abraham, and war, Bahayamachanar Shalfaita. So Yaakov Avinu prepared spiritually and physically, which is certainly worthy of our attention. The Yaakov Avinu prepared in two ways, physically and spiritually. Because throughout our history, there have been many decrees against the Jewish people. And depending on the decree, it would depend on the reaction. In other words, sometimes our response is a physical response, and sometimes our response is a spiritual response. Let's examine, says Rabbi Hanan Basserman, in the Koivitz Ha'arais, in what is called Dugmois Lebiure Agados Al-Darachabshat. He says, you know, throughout history, what have our forefathers done when encountering decrees against them, when encountering Gezeros Shmad, when encountering uh, Harsh Gezeros? So, because when we, whenever we want to know what to do, we, we, we try to emulate and follow the footsteps of our forefathers. Imloi Seidi La Chayofa Banoshem. If you don't know what to do, O beautiful of women, that's referring to Klal Yisrael. Go in the footsteps of the sheep. In other words, when we don't know what to do, we follow the precedent of our ancestors. So what was the reaction of our ancestors to various decrees uh, throughout history? So, we're about to uh, celebrate and encounter one of the great Yom Tovim, Hanukkah, and a similar but different Yom Tov. We have Purim. 
and the reaction of the Jewish people to the various decrees in times of Hanukkah and Purim are very different. Now, I know you all know that Hanukkah we celebrate physically, Hanukkah we celebrate spiritually, and Purim we celebrate physically, Meshtavah and I, I know that you're familiar with the reason why, the famous Lavush, because in times of Hanukkah, they try to take away our religion. So therefore, they try to take our, away our religion, they try to take away our tefillah, Torah. We celebrate spiritually. In times of Purim, they try to kill us physically, so we celebrate physically. But we have to ask a different question. What was the reaction of the Jewish people in the times of Hanukkah, and what was the reaction of the Jewish people in times of Purim? So, we know in uh, the times of Purim, the reaction was, Lech kinoi, says, Kol hayudim, hanimtim b'shushan, They fasted, they gathered, they prayed, and Esther goes to Achashverosh, v'atevk, v'atishchanen loy, she cried, and she besieged, so in times of Purim, they davened, they davened, they davened, they did shuva. They cried out, Fine. Did they fight a war? No. Did they arm themselves? Jewish resistance? Jewish partisans? No. Say, of course not, because there's no way they would have been able to fight the Persian uh, uh, Empire, the Persian army. That's irrelevant whether they would have been successful or not. They had prophets in their days. The prophets would have said the right thing to do is to go to war. They would have went to war. The fact that they had no shot of winning, why would that have stopped them? It didn't stop them in times of Hanukkah. In times of Hanukkah, they didn't have a shot of winning either. So it's interesting. In the times of Purim, so this is not the question you're used to hearing. You're used to hearing, why Hanukkah we celebrate spiritually and Purim we celebrate physically? I'm asking a different question. Why in the times of Hanukkah did they fight a war and in the times of Purim they did tshuva? Why didn't they fight a war against Amalek, uh, against the uh, Amalekim, against Haman? Why in the times of Hanukkah did they fight a war? And we don't specifically find that they did tshuva and they davened in times of Hanukkah. They, they went to war. Why in times of Hanukkah did they go to war? In times of Purim, they, uh, they fasted and they did tshuva. So Rebbe reveals <clears throat> an amazing principle that he heard from the Chafetz Chaim. This is one of the most mystical and startling concepts you'll ever hear. Even though you're accustomed to hearing that everything that happens in, the, in this world is what is called a Masay Hashem, an act of God, it's not true. There is a force in this world that God allows to operate and He allows this force also to do certain things in this world. There's Masay Hashem and there's Masay Satan. Satan is a force. God gave it power. God gave it ability. God gave it its job. And it does its job very diligently. Now, how do you know if it's an act of God or an act of the Satan? Times of Purim. What, what was the decree? What did they try to do? They tried to annihilate us. Who's doing that? Where is that rooted? God is letting them decree. So what does God want us to do? Because God wants 
us to come closer to him and to do tshuva. In fact, the Gemara says that when Haman removed his ring, it was far more effective than all 48 Nevi'im that stood up against the Jewish people. When Haman removed his ring, it caused us to do tshuva much more than all 48 Nevi'im. So when the decree is against our bodies, it's an act of God. If it's an act of God, you can't go to war. Who are you going to fight? You're going to fight against God? Can't fight God. So what do you need to do? You need to do tshuva. Sometimes the Purim, they didn't bother arming. They knew it was an act of God. If it's an act of God, you have to abolish it with tefillah, with tshuva. However, times of Hanukkah, they didn't want to kill us. They said, Jews, stay alive. We need you. We just want you to shed your religion. So if it's a gezerah against the Torah, is that an act of God? Would God ever allow the uh, decree against our religion? Of course not. That's the Satan's doing. So we can do tshuva? No, no, no. The, the Satan doesn't care if you do tshuva. What do you need to do? You need to fight a war. And even if Jews die, the only way to weaken the Satan is you need to go to war. So, Rabbi Hanan says, there are two kinds of decrees. There's a decree against, a decree that comes from God. A decree that comes from God, you got to repent and daven. A decree that comes from the Satan, what do you have to do? You got to fight a war. You might not win. You might, there might be many casualties, but you'll weaken the Satan. <clears throat> now, so what was Yaakov you know, doing? He's getting, he's a little confused. Yaakov, you know, he's fighting a war and he's davening. What he doesn't know if it's Hanukkah or Purim. That's a little strange, you know. In the times of Hanukkah, they fought a war. They in the times of Purim, they did tshuva. Yaakov, you know, he's doing both. So, interestingly, the Rebbe Chonan says, "What did exactly I heard from the Chavetz Chaim? Now you're going to hear my great proficiency in the holy tongue of Yiddish." Says Rebbe Chanan, I heard from the holy mouth of the Chavetz Chaim. We're on the bottom of page one. Okay, here we go. Yoidin Hobin Farzen Bishas is Hobin Zich Eingehoiben, the Xeros from the Yabeskis. Who's the Yabeskis? The Yabuskim, the communists. Hobin Yoidin Gedarf Tarois Gagen, Zayoif Mochom Seras Nefesh. We needed to go out to war. MS is Hobolten Takasach Yidinaragavar. Truth is, many Jews would have died. You hear this, Rabbi Fal? Many Yidin would have died. They wouldn't have won the war. Ober der Koyach von Satan wird geweren abgeschwacht. The Satan would have been weakened. The Shas is hot zich ober nit gefunden. Vera zol zich moisten ever sein an Machama because Jews did not go out to fight. Seinen die Yabeskis geweren starker. The Yabuskim got stronger. Says Rabbi Chanan, the communists didn't want to kill us. The communists wanted to take away our religion. What was the right reaction against the communists? War. I, they would have brutalized us. So be it. That's the only way to weaken the Satan. So Rabbi Chanan establishes, based on the holy words of the Chavetz Chaim, there are different things that happen in this, war, in this world. When in Amsterdam they decree against Shechita or against Mila, that ain't an act of God, that's an act of the Satan. What should be the reaction of the Jewish people? According to Rabbi Hanan, Nera Givaren, Melchama B'Mesiras Nefesh. That's what the Chavetz Chaim would advise. I, we don't have a shot, doesn't matter. That's the only way to attack the Satan. But in, in, 
at times when they decree to annihilate Jews, then this is not a, this is not an act of Satan, this is an act of God, we have to do tshuva. Says Rabbi Hanan, in our times, he calls uh, the communists the Adoimim. Why are they called the Adoimim? Because what's the symbol of communism? You know, the red circle. We needed to fight a war. The only thing is, Rabbi Hanan says, to fight a war, you need generals. For it to be a general, you got to be a great Talmud Chacham and no Kala Tarakula, and we don't have adequate generals. But, therefore, says Obchanan, if you can't fight them indirectly, if you can't fight them directly, you have to fight them indirectly, and the way to overcome Amalek, we know Amalek comes when the Jews slacken off in Limar HaTayra, so the way to overcome Amalek is to strengthen in Limar HaTayra. So we've established the following principle. There are two kinds of decrees against the Jewish people. It's a physical decree, it's coming from God. We have to do tshuva. If it's a spiritual decree, it's an act of the satan, we have to fight a war. What would you say the danger of Esau was in coming against Yaakov? Esau was coming, 400 men. He's coming to annihilate Yaakov and his family. If in that case, Yaakov should have davened, because this was an act of God. Who are you going to fight against? You're going to fight against HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So why is Yaakov preparing for warfare? I mean, it seems like Yaakov is confused. Is Esav Hanukkah or is Esav Purim? I would have said Esav is clearly Purim. In fact, the Balaturim says, Hatsileni na miyad Teva is Haman. So if this is a Purim, if he's coming to physically annihilate us, then he needs to do tshuva. What's he fighting? In Purim times of Purim, they didn't fight. Why is Yaakov Inu preparing for war? And the answer is very obvious. There's a very well-known exposition of the Beis HaLevi. <clears throat> Beis HaLevi asks, Yaakov Inu says, Hatsileni na miyad achi miyad Esav. Really? Esav is Yaakov's brother? I never knew that. Really? It's a big chitosh. You hear this too? Just say, We all know who Yaakov's brother was. Or, So, the Zayra Kodesh says from this Pasuk, we learn that if you daven for a choyla, you can't just say, Hashem, help out that choyla on uh, Ocean Parkway. Which one? What's his name? God knows his name. No. There's halacha and tefillah. You need to be precise. To be exact. It's like uh, dialing. It's like paying someone on Zell. So I, I got some storm yesterday. The guy asked me, okay, Zell. So I Zelled. Um, I'm making up an ad. I Zelled Redbird18 at Yahoo. So I said, did you get the money? No. I said, well, I put in Redbird. No, Redbirds. Red so now the money is floating in outer space for, for 14 days because your recipient is not registered with Zell. And Be'ezra, Hashem, Yisbarach, V'siyata, Deshmaya, I'll get back my 30 bucks in 14 days because I don't have time to call Citibank and, you know, figure this out. So this morning I, I zelled red birds. Very good. <laughs> Same thing with tefillah. You need to be exact. The story goes, Rabbi Kiva Eger once davened for Rivka, you know, Rivka Bas, uh, Bas uh, Rachel and uh, Rabbi Kiva Eger said I not, it wasn't the Skabel. You, you obviously gave me the wrong name. So it turns out they gave him the wrong name. It was Rachel Bas Rivka, and he died, and then she had her Fushleim. So, 
from here, we learn it from this pasuk that when it comes to davening, you have to be exact and feel. But still, says the base of Levi. So just say Hatsileni na miyad achi esav. What's Hatsileni na miyad achi miyad esav? What's this double superfluosity uh, over here? Verbosity, extraness. <laughs> what's what is this uh, extra phrase? And the Beis Halevi says, The actions of our forefathers portend the future history of the Jewish people. Esau basically has, has two scams, two schemes to try to destroy the Jewish people. The first is, Miyad Esau. Esau is going to come and annihilate, physically annihilate the Jewish people. However, after a certain point in history, Esau realizes that gas chambers and crematorias and inquisition and crusades, it ain't going to destroy the Jewish people. Because the more our back is up against the wall, the more we will be moiser nefesh for Hashem and His Torah. And therefore, Esav tries a much more effective tactic, and that is miyad ochi. We open up all the universities, we open up all the colleges, we open up the workforce, and egalitarianism, and liberty, and freedom, and equality... And all of a sudden, Esau sees that what a Holocaust cannot accomplish, freedom could accomplish. That is the attack of Miyad Ochi. Therefore, Esau, he comes with 400 men, he's coming to Lahashmid, Laroig, Uliabed. And it didn't work. So you know what he says? Ah, Tzigana, Amcha, Shariti, I'll give you a few of my guys. They'll hang out with you, and they'll stay with you. Until you catch up with me in Seir. Esav said, you know, I'll befriend you. I'll be close to you. No problem. You want to go to my colleges. You want to go to my universities. You want to go to my stadiums. You want to enter my government. You want full freedom. You want to marry into us. It's all available to you. And Yaakov Avinu was more afraid of Miyad Achi than Miyad Esav. How do we know? Because first he davens Hatzileni na Miyad Achi. And then he davens Miyad Esav, says the Beis HaLevi. And Hashem did Yaakov Avinu a very important favor. Vayashav Esav bayoim hahu darkoi seira. The Mepharshim ask, why does the Torah have to say Esav returned on that day? Who cares who returned on that day? Maybe he returned in three and a half days. The answer is because Yaakov Inu was afraid that Esav should not spend with him even one moment. So Yibon Shem had it that on that very day Esav went ahead and Yaakov says, catch up to you later. Don't even leave one man with me. We go too slow for you. We'll, we'll catch up with you later. That was the second tactic of Esav Harasha. Because throughout our history, when the Goyim realized that is not effective. They try, they tear down the ghetto walls and they allow us to enter all echelons of society. And like Napoleon said, liberté, égalité, and some other phrase that he used. And um, that is a far more effective way of destroying the Jewish people. In fact, the Tanit Velio says that when... <coughs> Esav said to Yaakov Avinu, Nisa v'neilecha ve'elcha l'negdecha, he said, let's make a deal. Right now, I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the world to come. I don't believe in Torah. I'll make a deal with you. <clears throat> You'll take part of my Olam Hazeh, I'll take part of your Olam Haba. You know what that means? 
That means, you know what? I'll believe in God, monotheism, and I'll believe in love your neighbor as yourself, and I'll believe in Torah and Hashemayim and the afterlife, and I'll get a little Olam Haba, I'll get a half Olam Haba, and I want you to take a little Olam Hazeh. Stop learning so much. Stop davening so much. You know, you need to spend more time watching the NFL. You know, the game starts 1 o'clock. So you have to do hachanas, chasidim arishayim, hayishayim, sha'achas, kaidam tefilasam. It's already 12 o'clock, time to tailgate. And then you have 1 to 4, and then 4 to 7, and then Sunday night football, and Monday night football, and Thursday night football, and Thanksgiving football. And then Avada, you have NBA, NHL, MLB, and all the other avenues of, of Esav. So take a little shtickle oilam hazeh. I'll take a shtickle oilam haba. You take a shtickle oilam hazeh, and we'll call it even 50-50. And Yaakov says, get out of here. Get lost. I don't want your oilam hazeh. I don't want even one of your guys. You take your oilam hazeh, and I will be dedicated to the world to come. And this was the much more dangerous attack of Esav. Not Hatzileni no miyad Esav. Hatzileni no miyad Ochi. The Ochi is much more dangerous than the miyad Esav. <clears throat> so I want to share with you all the Gedolei Hadoirois uncover in this encounter between Yaakov and Esav these two simultaneous approaches that Esav was using. So here in the Beis HaLevi we see miyad Ochi, miyad Esav. Look at the wrestling match. Vayivosar Yaakov levadai. Yaakov was left alone. Vayeovek ishimoi. Vayeovek. Anybody know what the word Vayeovek means? Wrestle. Wrestle. WWW. How does it go? That was the original WWW. How does it go? Nobody. W. WF. Thank you. Not that I know. I just had to prepare to be able to. Vayivosar Yaakov levadoi, vayeovek, what does vayeovek mean? Rashi says two perushim. One is a lashon of vayisaper, a lashon avak, dust. They were kicking up dust with their feet. They were clawing at each other, annoying at each other, they were biting at each other until the dust climbed up and flew off the ground and was kicked up. And then Rashi says another shot, avak is a lashon of vayiskasher. They got entangled and embraced and intertwined. Says Ksav Soifer, these two Perushim of Rashi are exact opposites. Vayeovek, a lotion of dust, is what two enemies do. Two enemies, when they're fighting, they're clawing, they're wrestling, they're pulling, they're biting, they're a lotion of dust. But the other Pshat in Vayeovek, they're entangled and embraced and hugging each other. That's what two lovers do. That's what two people love each other do. They're miskasher. They're embracing each other. How could both perushim fit in the same word? Vayovek. Furthermore, after the first wrestling match, nothing happens to Yaakov. But Vayar Kiloyocholoy. Vayar a second wrestling match. Says the Ksav Soifer. Maseyavoy similabanim. Esav knew there are two ways to attack Yaakov. So first he tried the physical wrestling match, clawing, gnawing, biting, kicking. He tried massacre, pogrom, inquisition, gas chamber, crematoria. No, couldn't destroy him. So Yaakov says, uh, so Esav says, let me try something else. Let me try United States of America. 
freedom, liberty, acculturation, assimilation. Oh, the second type of wrestling that hurt Yanko Avinu. There are two, in within this wrestling match, there are two tactics of Esav. There's Miyad Ochi and there's Miyad Esav. And the Miyad Ochi is much more dangerous. <coughs> Let me show you another diuk of Rabbi Yosef Nechemya Kornitzer, a descendant of Chsam Sefer. Watch this. <coughs> Everyone, you ready for this? You gotta be completely prepared to hear this unbelievable diuk. Says the Pasuk. What happened after Yaakov's hip socket was dislocated? So, he, he suffered a, a dislocated hip socket, and you would have expect to read on the injury report, Yaakov Avinu is doubtful for the next game, quest, probable for the next game, uh, waiting for the coach's assessment. No, no limp of Yaakov Avinu. He had a dislocated hip socket, and he's not on the injury report. Oh, look at number eight. The sun shines. He's limping. Huh? He, the angel of Esav dislocates the hip socket. Yaakov's not limping. The sun is shining. Yaakov is limping. Says Rabbi Yosef Nechem Yekornitzer. The Ksav Sefer says this as well. When the Goyim brutalize us and they antagonize us and they afflict us and they physically brutalize us, we are injured, but the injuries are quickly recovered from. But as soon as they start to shine, the sunshine of friendship and fraternity and brotherhood on the Jewish people, that's when we're limping. Say, really? But, you know, they massacred half the Jewish population in Europe, six million Jews. That was terrible. But more Jews have disappeared in the United States of America than disappeared in the Holocaust. Those are the facts. The intermarriage rate today is over 70%. Seven out of ten wedding invitations of a Yid are not to a Yid. So which method of Esav historically has been more successful? It's a very difficult and painful debate. It's actually a debate that many of the Hasidic Sherebas had, and we're going to discuss that. But this is what the Beis Halevi writes, that Yaakov Avinu was much more afraid of Hatzilenina Miyadachi than Miyad Esav. I want to tell you a drush from Rabbi Yaakov Breish that he said in the immediate aftermath of the Holocaust. <coughs> the Pasuk says that when Esav Arusha came in, to uh, Yitzchak's room with the Matamim, Vayecherad Yitzchak, Harada Gedoyla. Yitzchak feared a very great trembling. Yitzchak was very, very frightened. And the Medrash says twice in the life of Yitzchak, Yitzchak was frightened. Once at the Akedah, when Yaakov Avinu was about to shecht Yitzchak, that Yitzchak was not very, um, in a very pleasant state of mind when the knife was about to be put on his neck, as you can imagine. Most people, when they're about to be shechted, are not very comfortable. And Yitzchak was quite frightened when, when Avram was about to shecht him. Another time that Yitzchak was, more, was frightened was when Esav came in to, with the matamim. And Chazal, way, when was Yitzchak more frightened? At the Akedah or when Esav came in to get the brachas? Says the Midrash. 
Vayecherad Yitzchok, Charado Gedoilad Moed. Yitzchok was very, very frightened. From here we see, says the Medrash, Yitzchok was more frightened when Yaakov Avinu came, when Esav came to take the brachos, than at the Akedah. What exactly was he so frightened about when Esav came to take the brachos? He was even more frightened than by the Akedah? Says Rabbi Yaakov Reish, there are two very vicious attacks of Esav. One is when they try to kill us. And the other is when they try to cause assimilation and acculturation. Twice in the life of Yitzchak, Yitzchak faced both of these threats. One was when Yaakov Avinu, uh, one was when Yitzchak Avinu was at the Akedah. You know what Yitzchak saw when he was at the Akedah? He saw that he's about to be killed. He sees into the future all the millions and millions of Akedos that the Jewish people would suffer through history. He saw all the Akedos of the pogroms, all the Akedos of the Inquisition, all the Akedos of the Holocaust. And Yitzchak was very, very frightened. But he wasn't as frightened as when Esav came in with the matamim, with those delicious delicacies. And Esav said, Come, my dear, eat with us, drink with us, fraternize with us, be one with us. That's when Yitzchak was much more frightened. The Akedah? We'll pick ourselves off the uh, ash heaps. We'll lift ourselves off of the uh, out of the gas chambers, and we will rebuild. But assimilation, very difficult, much more difficult. You know when Yitzchak was really scared, not from the Holocaust, but from assimilation. Says Asasemes, you know. So Esau finally meets Yaakov Avinu, and what does the pasuk say? He gave him a big, wet kiss. And we know that there are dots on top of the word, says the Medrash, he wanted to bite him. I mean, the biting and kissing are different, right? You're aware of that? Those are different things. So it says he kissed him, but it means he wanted to bite him. It says the Svasamis, it's the same thing. You know what Esau's real bite is? The bite of Esau is when he tries to kiss him. That's the real bite. The kiss of Esau is the bite of death. It's the kiss of death. That's how Esau's really going to get you. As the Divrei Chaim says in the Haggadah, in Mitzrayim, Vayareyu Oisanu HaMitzrim. The Mitzrim, literally they did harm to us. The Divrei Chaim, more of uh, Yiddish here. Any, any Yiddish experts over here? Good. So you wouldn't know. Fine. So you ready? Vayorei oisanu. Vayorei oisanu amitzrim. Zehobin zechmid uns chavr gemacht. Vayorei. They wanted to be our rea. They wanted to be our friend. That's how they tried to, to uh, destroy us. So throughout history, there have been various attempts made of how to destroy the Jewish people. There's Hatsileni no Miyad Esav, but even worse, Hatsileni no Miyad Achi. In the beginning of the 19th century, there was a great ruler who was very progressive and very liberal. And he was embraced by many G'daylam. Ramanacho Mendel of Rimenov davened for his success. He tore down the ghetto walls. He gave Jews equality. 
And the Jews were very confused by the actions of Napoleon von Bonaparte. By Napoleon. They didn't say, is he for real? Does he really want to give us equality? But they soon realized when they heard that he didn't trust them at all. He told the uh, border cities that Jews can't live in the border cities because they're not loyal to Mother France. His plan was to destroy the Jewish people backhandedly and covertly without them even realizing. So he proclaimed liberty, egalitarianism, and complete freedom for the Jewish people. And it came with a lot of Jewish pride. Napoleon made a Jewish Sanhedrin, the head of Napoleon's Jewish Sanhedrin, was a great Gadol who's buried in France from David Sinsheim. And not all Gadolim embraced him. Rebbe Yitzhak of Arditchev, he prayed for Napoleon's welfare. Rebbe Chaim Velazhenor seemed to have been an advocate of Napoleon. But as Napoleon is marching toward Russia, there is a tzaddik there who encouraged people to be loyal to the czar, the, the czar, the brutal czar. The Jews were brutalized in Russia. They were tortured in Russia. But Rav Shner Zalman of Liadi told the Jewish people, you need to be loyal to the czar. Better to be brutalized under the czar, at least you'll be brutalized Jews, than to be freed by Napoleon and be free Gentiles. And this was a big machlekes between Rav Shner Zalman of Liadi. Rav Natalia of Rabshitz agreed with uh, the Balatanya. And Rav Nachman Rimanov said, no, the Jewish people are being destroyed in Russia. And as Napoleon is headed toward Russia, as the Russian army retreats, Rav Shner Zabalatanya retreats with the Russian army. He says, we're going to be loyal to the Tsar of Russia. Until he ultimately, the, the, the Balatanya passed away. And uh, so, I was looking at some of the history in Rabbi Berowine's book. Oh, I brought it with me. What do you know? I don't promote other people's books here. You could get it from Art School, but if you're getting a book from Art School, I would get the light and the splendor. No, but um, his books are terrific. And he quotes a sefer, Toldois Hadairois. So I called one of the Rabbanim in the neighborhood who I know is a history buff. I said, Told, do you happen to have Toldois Hadairois? He said, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as Toldois Hadairois. There's Doirois Harishonim, which of course I have. And there's Toldois Am Yisrael, which I don't have them from. I said, no, I, Rabbi, Rabbi Wine quotes Toldos Hadorois. And I looked on Oitzra Chachma, it's not there. And I looked on Hebrew books, it's not there. So I called <coughs> Sfarim World in Borough Park, and he said he hasn't seen Toldos Hadorois in 25 years. It was written by a Belzer Chassid, and it was never even printed, it was a typewriter. So I called my friend uh, Mizrahi of Mizrahi Bookstores. I said, Toldos Hadorois? He said, sure, I have it. I said, I need it now. Put it in the Uber. 30 minutes later, I had the full set of Toldos Hadorois. Just for your um, enjoyment, number 16 on the sheet, why do I want Toldos Hadorois? The original letter of Rav Shner Zalman of Liadi of why he opposed the rulership of Napoleon and why it was better to be loyal to the Tsar. We have... Um, Yoim Aleph, the Rosh Hashanah, before Musaf. Rav Shneir Zalman seemed to say that it was shown to him in Hashamayim 
that if, if uh, Bonaparte wins, if Napoleon wins, Jews will be wealthy, Jews will be successful, Jews will be elevated, but they won't be Jews anymore. As opposed to under the Tsar, they'll be brutalized, they'll be tortured, they'll be harassed, but they'll be Jews. And therefore, Abshner Zalman prayed for the success of the Tsar. Now, you know that Napoleon made it as far as Jerusalem. And he looked at its foreboding walls, and he thought better than to attack Jerusalem. In Jerusalem at the time was Rabbi Yom Tif al-Ghazi. He prayed for Napoleon's downfall, to, um, and he sided with the Turks in Jerusalem. Napoleon makes a turn. He heads to Yafo. He heads to Acre. He's going to attack Acre. Who is in the city of Acre at the time? Rav Nachman of Breslov happened to be there at the time. Rav Nachman put a curse on Napoleon, and from then on, Napoleon had a tremendous downfall. Anyway, this, these are the two faces of Esav. Hatzileni nam miyadachi, miyad Esav. The parable goes, and this is quoted in uh, the Haggadah Shal Pesach Ababav. There was a great debate between the wind and the sun. Who's stronger? So how do you prove who's stronger? You know, the sun can't melt the wind and the wind can't blow away the sun. So they said, hey, we have a great, guy. We have a great uh, method. We're going to take a guy. Let's see who could get this guy to take off his jacket, his coat, and his hat. And whoever is successful in doing that, that will prove that that uh, entity is stronger. So there's a guy walking down the street. He's wearing his coat. He's wearing his hat. And the temperature starts to drop 40, 30, 20, 10 degrees, and the wind starts ah, blowing, blowing, tornado, hurricane, tsunami, whirlwind, the guy's spinning, flapping, he's flying in the air, he's off to Kansas already. <laughs> and, but the stronger the wind blows, the more the guy's holding his coat, and he's holding, he's holding tighter the hat, and the stronger the wind blows, the, the stronger the guy's holding onto his coat and his hat. And the wind cannot budge the coat on the head of the guy. The sun says, step aside, step aside. All of a sudden, it's a beautiful day. It's 70 degrees. It's like San Diego. And <clears throat> it's 80 degrees. And the guy is schwitzing. And the guy is hot. And the guy rolling up his sleeves. And it's 90 degrees. And the guy takes off his coat. And he takes off his hat. And the son says, you see, what you couldn't do with brute force, I got the guy to do on his own. So I'm going to share with you Amara Makoim from a Sefer that is not yet available to the public. The name of the Sefer is Parashas Gedulas Mordechai. There are only a few copies of this. This is the biography and the experiences of the Holocaust of a great tzaddik, my grandfather, of Mordechai Leib Gladstein that we put together about my grandfather's experiences. And he, my grandfather, told over many times that in the concentration camps, in the death camps, he would be saying Tehillim. And the Nazi would come and club him. Right, Rebezo, you met the Zayda, right? They would club him over the head. <clears throat> I heard from an eyewitness that one time he was knocked unconscious and he woke up a day later. And he got up and he continued saying to him. And they said, Rabbi, why do you still pray? Do you think the Jewish people have a future? We Germans, we will destroy all the Jews of Europe. 
The Arabs, the Arabs will destroy all the Jews of Palestine. <clears throat> and the Jews of America, <laughs> Jews of America will take care of themselves. And unfortunately, what Hitler was most correct about was the Jews of America. Because more Jews disappeared in this country with the sun shining by Yisrach Hashemesh than over there in Beheyav Ka'imai. And therefore, we like to suggest the following approach, which I happened to write in very short in the Light and the Splendor, but um, I think it's much more developed now. And that is based on this Yisrael of the Chafetz Chaim. That when they attack us physically, the correct response is tefillah. And when they attack us spiritually, the correct response is warfare. How should Yaakov respond to Tesav? Which tactic should Yaakov have used? Was Yaakov encountering Chanukah, taking away a religion? Or was Yaakov encountering Purim, annihilation? What's the answer to that? What was the threat of Yaakov? Both. He was, the, he was encountering and He was encountering the wrestling match of enemies and the wrestling match of lovers. He was encountering the kiss. He was encountering the bite. He was encountering all of the above. The Vayoreu as a friend and the Vayoreu as harming. And therefore Yaakov, you know, of course, had to prepare both methods of defense. Yaakov had to prepare for war against Miyadachi. And he had to prepare for tefillah against Miyad Esav. And that explains, if you want to know, is Parshas Vayishlach analogous to Chanukah? Or is it analogous to Purim? The answer is Esav encapsulated both threats. And I want to share with you a mind-boggling gematria. Comes Esav, Vayiga Bechaf Yerechai, it says of Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, Vayiga is Gematria Chanukah 89, Kaf Yerechai is Gematria Purim. He doesn't explain. But we're explaining that Esav always comes with both attacks. Says of Esalevi, after 2,000 years, Esav realizes the Miyad Esav doesn't work. So he tries a new attack. And that's the attack of the end of days. That's the attack of Miyad Achi. And the attack of Miyad Achi is Vayecherad Yitzchak Charoda Gedoira. That's much, much more frightening. The wrestling match of Oyhavim is much more dangerous than the wrestling match of Soinaim. Because that is when Yaakov begins to limp, when Vayizrach Loi. Hashemesh. And then the verdict of history is that, unfortunately, the Balatanya seem to have been correct. That what, uh, <laughs> what a thousand years of European Jewish history couldn't do to the Jews, a good hundred years of assimilation in Europe was able to really jumpstart Haskola, reform, and uh, the seeds of a lot of dangerous, venomous uh, difficulties for the Jewish people. And that's the Masei Ovei Simulabonim of Parshas Vayishlach. The Ramban says that whenever we encounter our enemies, we always have to study Parshas Vayishlach. And therefore, we always have to be prepared 
to do tshuva against the Miyad Esav, and you have to be prepared for Melchamas Hayetzer against Miyad Achi. Thank you everyone for joining us tonight. Wishing everyone Baruch HaVatzlacha. Next week will be uh, last year before Hanukkah. And uh, have a great week. Call to, uh, call to.